gentlemen, boys and girls, giant time is here. That's right, we're talking Friday the 13th, part two, the really good part, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Crystal Lake, where as close to it as we possibly can get. It's the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Friday the 13th, part two, in the hopes that a character's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. Each and every week, I come to you from the West Coast, here in Hollywood adjacent. Well, actually, Los Angeles adjacent. Listen, I'm in Los Angeles County. That's all you need to know. And I get the pleasure of uh, talking to one of the best people about horror movies, and that is the one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. Hi, Gina. Hi, Patrick. (laughs) We're here, and this is happening. We have hit the sweet spot of Friday the 13th part 2 would you agree absolutely i've been waiting since you since you asked me months ago to start this podcast with you this is what i've been waiting to talk about all downhill from here baby <laughs> certainly for this motion picture yes there's so much to talk about later on in in other films but as far as Friday the 13th part 2 is concerned this is the biggest back-to-back one-two punch and we're not just talking about how jeff and sandra died we are discussing both jeff and sandra our lamented uh lovers who are never very far from one another and mark who is an incredibly handsome person with really sweet hair who just has to fight off chicks left and right despite being paralyzed from the waist down yes it doesn't stop anybody. It certainly doesn't stop Vicky, and I don't blame her, because he's fucking dreamy. Anyways, we'll get to Mark, because first, let's set this up in order by talking about uh, poor Jeff and Sandra. They are in the Friday the 13th sort of trope. The sec- they are the lovers who can't stop touching one another and having sex. See what I like to call, they end up with the sex kebab. <laughs> sex kebab. <laughs> Oh, that's so accurate and gross. I, I um, feel like I feel like I'm misremembering how many different movies have used this. I, I think it's a lot less than I remember. But well, I, just, I think I, they start I, varying the the sort of setup of it. Yeah. But at least in one and two, you have these couples who are specifically the people who have sex couples. They are people you know for sure are going to have sex because they never go more than 10 feet away from one another. They're always within arm's reach, which I think makes it maybe more difficult if you are coming at this from a killer's point of view to take on two people at one time. If they're always together, they're not isolated. This might make them more difficult to dispatch. So from that standpoint, I think it's an interesting variation. But I think you're right. I think this trope begins to mutate. I know for sure it comes back in five. Right, right, right. Uh, which, it, I, spoiler alert, kids, I don't like Friday the 13th Part 5, and not for the reason you think. I don't care who the killer is. It's a sleazy fucking movie. Okay, so let's talk about Jeff and Sanchez, speaking of sleazy. Uh, he has what could only be described as Hardy Boy's hair. 
He's got a Hardy Boys hair and and this fucking hat that he that he watch wears. Game. And again, it is like a wool hat, but you know, in the middle of summer. And he's it got. It has he, to be so hot. It has to have its own weather system under that. And he's never sweaty. Again, this is another one of those curious aesthetic choices, much much like Terry and her tiny little cut off sweater. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's well, you know, we're gonna dress in as little clothing as possible, but we really want to be also prepared for a, a middle of July deep freeze. Right. I mean, it's this weird thing where they need to establish everyone by a signature piece of clothing. So Paul gets a turtleneck, and Jeff gets this stupid-looking hat. When you look at these movies that are made of its own era, and this is the sort of anachronistic thing about Friday the Thirteenth that I like. Because you're you're given a very distinct window into a very distinct time. A lot of movies denote characters by the clothes that they wear. If you watch E.T., that group of friends that the older brother has, they all have very specific things that they wear in order to tell them apart. This one it wears sunglasses. This one wears that stupid hat all the time. This one's Thomas C. Howell. I guess it's so the audience doesn't have to be taxed with the the the, the chore of remembering who these characters' names, what these characters' names are. Yes. So it's just well, he's hat guy, and <laughs> she's glasses girl, and yeah. he's football jersey dude, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Speaking of Mark, he is football jersey dude. Um, he is football jersey dude. <laughs> so that's Jeff Sandra. Um, has what could be an amazing head of hair if only she understood what conditioner is. I guess? <laughs> she looks very much like a an early 80s Jersey chick. I could yeah. speak with from with some authority upon uh, upon this subject. Okay. You, you know, she has that kind of frizzy hair, sort of, you know, sp- you know spends too much time in the sun. She mm-hmm. looks... She's probably one of the only characters in this in the in this entire series who actually looks like a teenager. I don't I don't really know how old the actress was who played her, mm-hmm. but but she looks pretty you know convincingly young whereas mm-hmm. in 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 most of these movies these people look like they're like 25, 30 and and even though they're all supposed to be like presumably like 18. Yeah, I mean I I think they're supposed to have an age range, but unlike the idea of most teen slashers, like your Nightmare on Elm Street series, those characters are almost always supposed to be high school aged. Halloween, the first movie, is set. Those girls are supposed to be in high school. Whereas Friday the 13th, I think, is interesting in that it ups that age up to college and beyond as if making them adults makes them more capable or less vulnerable. And I think that is an interesting way to differentiate the film from its competitors. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Not buying it, Gina Radcliffe. Uh, put, put it on the DVD cover, kids. Um, so, so Sandra is... A, a, she's very curious. That is Sandra's defining characteristic beyond her curls and her tight sweaters. She really needs to know what's going on. She drags Jeff off into the wilderness to find Camp Crystal Lake because she's heard about it constantly uh, from their, their, their co-counselors at Paul's camp, from the sheriff, uh, from Paul at the campfire. Everyone's talking about this, 
why they don't think that someone's going to wander off and look at Camp Crystal Lake, a.k.a. Camp Blood, is beyond me. They do that, they get caught, uh, they're not allowed to go to Casino Bar, like everyone else, and get drunk on a weird beer. Um, yeah, they they are not conveniently uh, eliminated. No, oh, they're eliminated, but they're not eliminated from the script. Like like right. half of these character, other characters. Yes, uh, they don't get into um, psychological uh, conversations over drinks, like uh, Ginny and Paul are later on. No, what they get to do is dance to non-existent music, <laughs> which they do during the first party scene. The second party scene, we see Jeff losing uh, an an arm wrestling contest to Mark. I don't know why he didn't show up in Over the Top. He was the only exclusion. (laughs) And she lulls him away by saying, don't tire yourself out. And I I guess his arm? I guess there's a lot of arm action in that relationship. I'm not kink shaming. (laughs) But I think you can both arm wrestle and have sex in the same night. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe he really maybe he really gets a full body arm wrestling. I mean, maybe he right. cheats and just, you know you know, puts his entire like 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 you know, full body weight into it, you know? All that blood that's going to your arm, you're wasting it. It could go to your penis leg. <laughs> okay, I'm out. <laughs> Can't use that blood again. I don't know how bodies work. Somewhere there's a an arm wrestling guy who's who really likes Friday the thirteenth who's furiously typing an email to us right now i can't wait to read it (laughs) so these two go upstairs and here's the sort of if you're looking for a difference in directorial styles between this and the first film because those are the only two films we've seen in sequence here um it's that the the sex scene in the first movie looks uh vaguely sexy and this one looks like a doughy guy laying on top of another girl yeah, it's there. They didn't really make any appreciable effort in 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 making uh, making this you know erotic or enticing or anything that you didn't just want to you know fast forward through while you're you know you know, time it to a bathroom break or to you know, get more you know, get another get another you know, pour some more mellow yellow you know. Oh my God! No, please. If you're pouring mellow yellow right now, stop. You're better than that. You can do better things with your life. I believe in you. It's coming from me, Patrick Hamilton. Um, yeah, these two kids do everything together. They explore, they dance, they wrestle, have orgasms, die. Everything together. Uh, they're killed via spear, which we originally see in the, in the campfire scene. It is Chekhov's spear. <laughs> because uh, we see it in the campfire scene. We see it later on with the mask on top of it. And then uh, Jason picks it up, goes up the stairs, and spears them both in, I guess, the afterglow. Do you, listen, I don't want to get too personal, Gina. Mm-hmm. But after you've expended yourself and shared your love with this other person, whether it be the first night you met or your thousandth, after you've come, you gotta go. Don't lay on top of somebody, is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, no, it's just you're sweaty. You're, 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 you're. It's just like it's like all right. You could just you you can you, cuddling can ensue, but you yeah. gotta you gotta. There's like, cuddling. There's spooning. There's so many things you can do. Don't lay on top of somebody in your condition. That can't be. That can't be fun. She's a smaller girl. He's a larger guy. She's got to be dying under there. And he just seems like somebody that would be just really clumsy, like you know, leaning on her hair accidentally. <laughs> Elbowing her in the eye, you know, he just seems like kind of a, you know, klutzy sort of dude. Uh, but it has to be this way. They have to be in this exact position, otherwise this kill doesn't work. And we know this because it happened once before in a Mario Bava film called A Bay of Blood slash Twitch of the Death Nerve. <laughs> now, I will say, this film achieves it a little bit better by one improvement, and that is that the bloody tip of the spear uh, takes a notch out of the wood once it comes all the way through the bed and it reinforces that, that it's a real object. So that part I like. But do you think that this is actually stolen idea or is this parallel thought? Um, I'm going to say it's probably stolen. Um, okay. You know, although I, I find myself wondering, it's like, did... did you know, did Jason just take a chance that he he knew what this guy's fuck style was gonna be and like, well, I'm I'm gonna, yeah, he just like, yeah, he's probably just gonna just lay there for a little while, like a bag of like an old bag of laundry on top of her, you know, I mean, just yeah, I take him out both at once, yeah, that's that's you know, that's 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 time management skills at work. I it's just this thing like, I what is this guy's fuck style? Come on, Jason, think, think. All right, uh, I know the kind of guy he is. It's and he... uh, sack of laundry. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lingerer. They're not. They're not going to be spooning. I. I can do this. They're just going to be on top of one another like a sad sandwich. <laughs> and I'll. And I'll spear them. Like it, like at a Greek diner, and they put that gonna, on top of your chicken. I'm gonna, club. I'm gonna call it right now. Our, our, our fan hashtag is gonna be sad sandwich. Sad sandwich. <laughs> oh. Because 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 sack of laundry doesn't doesn't really have that that. Uh, that don't that under. <laughs> listen, don't undersell yourself. Somewhere out there, someone heard that, and that's what got them going. Don't. You're doing just fine. Uh, so yeah, I, I think. I think the more I look about it, and I happen to actually get the Arrow video version of Bay of Blood, Twitch of the Death Nerve, because uh, it was on sale at Amazon, so I'm like, oh, um, yeah, I'll get that on Blu-ray. And uh, it is pretty dead on, because instead of the killer's POV, you're off on his shoulder, and that's the exact same shot from the Bava version. So to me... While it was harder to rip somebody off, I think that it's more than likely a ripoff. The more I see it, the more I think it probably is. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Okay. Uh, so that is Jeff and Sandra. R.I.P.T. We barely knew you at all. Like, at all. And we spent the most time with them of pretty much anyone at this point. Jenny, like a close second. So let's... Let's get to it. Let's get to Mark. Yes! Mark is a super interesting character in that he doesn't come off as gross. Like, he's a jock that you don't hate. And it's not just because of 
uh, of his disability or the fact that he's in a wheelchair or anything like that. He just seems genuine and nice. He really doesn't get a lot of Vicky's double entendre. No, he, he seems sort of a little, like, oblivious, I guess. If, if films and, like, meatballs and the like have taught me anything, wearing a t-shirt that states that you're easy is a welcome sign to sexual activity. Uh, so whether or not that's a component of his character or some blurring of him in real life and his character, I'm not sure. What does come across is he seems genuinely nice. Like, of all those people, he seems like the person you want to hang out with the most. Yeah, and I I feel terrible for finding his death hilarious. (laughs) But it is. It is brutal. It is unfortunate. Mark is at least formidable. A sign of his strength is shown constantly. So even though he is in a wheelchair, I think he's a genuine threat to... A killer lurking around so this is one of those times when this version of Jason sneaks up on a person and just gets them when they're not looking and then you have the aftermath of that which is a wheelchair careening down a set of stairs in the rain with a guy with a dummy in it and a machete lodged in his face Again, and it is uh, both haunting and hilarious at the same time. And again, as we covered in the last episode, the machete's facing the wrong way. Yeah. But I, I have come to the discovery that that may speak of dark and troubling things about my uh, my personality is I seem to find death scenes involving people in wheelchairs very funny, and <laughs> and I, I I don't know why, but like the scene in Manhunter where the guy in the booth in the parking lot like screams and then just this like flaming wheelchair just comes right into the camera for yes. some reason that that's funny to me when Richard Widmark p- pushes his his which is his grandmother that that like down yeah, it's just the old lady in the apartment in, in the wheelchair family, it might be a family member kissing kiss of death. Kiss death hilarious when when the when the kid in mars attacks is rescuing his grandfather from the nursing home and in the background there's a flaming corpse in a wheelchair just careening down the hallway i'm laughing hilarious hysterically it's God's gonna punish me someday. Oh wait, the brother in a Tex- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, Franklin. He's a ca- he's a case unto itself. He's another one a- that just gets an axe in the face in a wheelchair, and it's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, this is that's one of Hooper's greatest sort of skill sets in that movie. Is it's practically bloodless. All of, all of the violence is implied, and. It makes you hate this brother, Franklin, so much it, it, that when it, he does it, die, it's a tremendous relief. It, it definitely takes the uh, y- y- you somewhat unique approach of uh, having a, a, a disabled character be completely insufferable. I mean, of course, that was like play to. Have you ever seen? Um, oh my god, I forgot the name of the movie. Uh, it was a. Oh God! It was a it was a parody of beach beach party movies and um, oh, um, is it Psycho Beach Party? Yeah, and they yes. had the they had the one girl in a wheelchair who was just awful to everybody and running over people's feet and all and and, but that was like a parody of the the saintly d- 
disabled person. But yeah, I mean Franklin's just he's just awful and, and you, you just want Sally to just leave him behind, just just, you know, like a doorstop and she doesn't and and, and yeah, it is a relief when he's finally killed off because now she doesn't have to feel guilty about leaving him behind. I don't know what my enjoyment of death scenes involving people in wheelchairs is, says about me. Now, does this go the other way? Do you also enjoy being menaced? by a ghost in a wheelchair in the changeling or the late lamented head of the family. <laughs> Not, I mean, it's kind of funny when you just hear like, <laughs> this like a little wheelchair just like appearing out of nowhere. I mean, again, it's it's more funny to me than, 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 any, than anything else. That cascading down the stairs backwards in the rain is such an indelible image. It's probably one of the most used snapshots, as it were, or callbacks in Friday the 13th history. Yeah, it's. I would say it, it's probably the, the one death that everybody remembers. I mean, even if you... Even, I think it's, one of, it's definitely one of, if you haven't actually seen the movie. You know, you know that particular scene. I, because I think it shows up in sort of compilations or sort of talking head documentaries about the greatest scares in, in horror film history. Um, it shows up in Terror in the Isles, for example. It's, it's really indelible. It, once you see it, it, you can't forget it. It's probably one of the best lit sequences in the entire thing because the actual lamp post allows it to have a very moody shaft of light down the down the stairwell mm-hmm. and it's outside so it's impossibly long it goes on for too long to the point where they flash to white at a certain point they're just like okay you've seen it <laughs> um it's it's pretty well done it's it's the highlight of the entire movie. If if it was boring you up until this point, you could shut it off after Mark. Just yeah, just 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 stick with that. It's it's worth it. Yeah. It, uh so do we have anything else to say about Mark be, before we say adieu? He lived well and died hard, so <laughs> not not that hard cuz he didn't he Vicky was on her her way cuz she <laughs> she changed into her sexy sweater. But we'll get to Vicky. Oh, I already dropped a hint. Vicky wears a sexy sweater. What's a sexy sweater? You'll find out in the next episode because I'm going <laughs> to talk all about it. That's right. Uh, you know, before we move on, though, there is one thing we have to do to uh, make a choice. We have to choose our own death venture. And would you rather die in a sad sex sandwich or in a wheelchair with a machete to the face? And then a quick trip down the stairs backwards. I, I, I want my death to be a memorable one. I, I, I you know I want it to be one that people talk about for years. I so, think you'd be safe in either one of these, though. Yeah, uh, but you know I, I also want to be remembered as a good person. Okay. So you know I, I, I think I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take Mark's way out because I mean it's not a lot of the a lot of the deaths in these movie in the in the series are from people doing stupid things mm-hmm. like uh like like scott if scott hadn't been trying to steal terry's clothes and right. you know you know being cute and pulling this pickup artist stuff you know he wouldn't have ended up in a, in a snare with his throat slashed but but mark wasn't really doing anything but just kind of sitting around you know waiting to get laid 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, so I, I think that, uh, that, that despite the absurdity of his death, he, he went with his dignity intact, so so I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go with Mark. Okay, I am going to go with Jeff for the following reasons. He did not see his death coming. He uh, got to have sex one last time. He probably died happy with a super hot Jersey broad. He was in that afterglow, and then he's gone in a snap. I think that's the way I want to go. I want evidence that. You know, I had sex before I died. And the only way to prove that is to die after having had sex. You can't prove it any other way. People won't know. I have a child. You don't know how that kid got here. You may think you know Gina, but you don't know everything. And so that brings us to the finale of this episode of Kill by Kill. Hey, do you want to talk to us about something? Now, it probably has to be horror film related. Otherwise, I don't really have time for that. I have friends and I have family that I have to take care of. But if you've got something that you want to say to us in a very kindly way, there's a couple ways to get in contact with us. Uh, there's a Gmail. Uh, killbykillpod at gmail.com. Send us an email. It's a longer way to do it. If you want to just hit us up on Twitter, uh, at killbykillpod. Hey, do you want more people to know about us why not rate and review us on itunes that's a great way to say that you like us and that you want more of this uh, and get us uh, disseminated because there's so many podcasts about a great many things uh this this will help um is there anything else you need to say before where can people find you on the internet gina well um i write about old television from the 70s and 80s at tuneintonight.wordpress.com Okay, that sounds fantastic. It uh, is fantastic. It you should I, check I it out. I think you you find some of the weirdest crap I've ever seen in my life, and it happened. It happened on on television. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue, but until that time, for myself and for my friend Gina Radcliffe, bye bye, everybody. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.